I have a question for you all that I want an answer to before I break down my reaction and analysis of this game for you. Are we ready to go bold and talk about Penn State like they're an elite football team? Or are you someone that just has to wait and see them play Ohio State? Or maybe see them play both Ohio State and Michigan before you even mention the Nittany Lions in the category of a near-elite or elite football team? Make sure to comment your answer to that question down below, and also subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, and like this video. Looking at how Penn State just dismantled Iowa on live TV. If Penn State plays the way they have through the first four games, given how the rest of the college football world is functioning, even if they lose to Ohio State and Michigan, and it's looking more likely every week that all three of those teams play, that Penn State will go 11-1. and Ohio State especially has looked more vulnerable than I have anticipated. And Michigan, even though I think Rutgers is a good football team, and after they play Wagner, I think they have a good chance of going into Madison and beating Wisconsin, I need to see Rutgers also perform against Big Ten competition before I count them or crown them as good, because they've started off 3-0 and for now three years in a row. And then they fell to 5-7 and seven and 4-8. and eight. For Penn State, under Franklin, they've always had a history of, for the most part, beating the teams they should beat and beating them impressively. But then against Michigan and Ohio State, they fall short. I'm telling you that with Aller on this team, and he returns next year, and Singleton and Allen and several other players that have years left of eligibility— even if Penn State loses to Michigan and Ohio State, who last year and traditionally in the conference have been the big two, I think that this Penn State team deserves consideration for being talked about as a near-elite, elite program. Now, we're not predicting how Penn State's going to do against Ohio State or Michigan. I'm very excited for how the three-man race for the Big Ten is going to shake out. Don't kid yourself, Maryland nor Wisconsin has any business being considered as a part of this race, despite the fact that Wisconsin has a great head coach in Fickle and tremendous talent, and their only losses to a Wazoo team who now I think is a top 15 team with a ceiling that's even higher, and Maryland's undefeated. It's Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Penn State winning 31 to nothing. Um given by the fact that they beat Iowa, who is a top 25 team heading into this game, and I thought highly of Iowa entering this game, at least, you know, their chances of being competitive. Penn State, in my mind, at least relative to national expectations, I think had the most impressive or one of the more impressive performances of the week in regards to Big Ten play. Whenever you win 31-zip, against a top 25 opponent. That's a good win. Penn State outgained Iowa by over 300 yards, and the game was really never close. Iowa got into Penn State territory, I think, once off of good field position, and then Eric All fumbled the ball, and the rest is history. 
Penn State went on to score 10 points in the first half and 21 points in the second. They had 45 minutes, 45 minutes and 27 seconds of possession to Iowa's 14 minutes and 33 seconds. That right there is a statistic that if you get before a game, I'm 99.9% sure the team that has 45 minutes of possession is going to win in a dominant fashion. Penn State, by the way, um, they were never explosive this whole game. They killed Iowa in Iowa fashion. I'm not even joking. Um, They only averaged 4.6 yards per pass attempt, and they only averaged 3.8 yards per carry, despite having 57 carries. Believe me, and you'll see this in my top 10 video tomorrow, there are concerns that I have about Penn State, and I still think that they're especially behind Michigan, given Michigan's style of play, and I would still peg them behind Ohio State. I think Ohio State has not only played a tougher schedule right now, but Ohio State has more talent. In my mind, they have a better head coach, and they have a higher ceiling of a football team. Michigan just schematically matches up well with Penn State. I think they're the most complete team in college football. And if you say, well, they're only scoring 30 points per game, they're 132nd in the nation in seconds per play. They love to chew the clock. They run a vanilla playbook. Michigan is not even coming close to unleashing their full potential, and they're dominating opponents left and right, even if they make mistakes. But also, as you will see, I'm high on Penn State. I actually have them ranked higher than the AP poll does, and they're rising rapidly in my rankings because they are performing better than anyone else in the Big Ten relative to my preseason expectations. Their defense looks legit. The offensive line is good. Um, Catron Allen continues to be a bruising back and a pace setter. I really like him, and Aller, Aller will not stop impressing me whatsoever. He avoids mistakes. He is in Penn State, and this goes for Aller as well. They are the last team in the entire FBS, I believe, who hasn't turned over the football, playing very disciplined football. And also, Aller has limitless talent. We saw this against Illinois when he had kind of an off-kilter day, but you still saw that high ceiling when he you know, threw to Liam Clifford, give his team a two-score lead entering the halftime. You saw this again, I think, against Iowa in a different sense. He was able to scramble, avoid pressure. He didn't average five yards per pass attempt, but he didn't make any mistakes, and he always threw the ball away. He never tried to fit it in a tight you know, window, at least from what I saw. I was mostly paying to no- attention to Notre Dame-Ohio State. It was the bigger matchup, but I had this matchup on my second screen, and I went back and you know watched highlights and you know, paid attention, and Penn State dominated in every facet of this game, even special teams. One of Iowa's turnovers was off of a muffed punt. Not only is that uncharacteristic of an Iowa team, but it shows that Penn State is just on a different level. I think that this is James Franklin's best team since 2017 in terms of talent and just not even talent, I would say, I'd say in terms of dominance, because you can have a talented football team. We've seen this with Texas and with USC. You can have raw talent, and you're not dominant. And then you can be dominant, but be a developmental program that doesn't have a lot of blue-chip talent. Penn State right now, they're rising in team talent composite indexes, 
because of their recent recruiting classes that have been great, whether it's the 2022 recruiting class, the 23 class, and their 2024 classes in the top 10 as well. And they've especially been focusing on offensive linemen and also still keeping hold of you know great in-state running back prospects as well. And then they're dominant. They are straight-up dominant. They had three sacks, five tackles for loss, four passes defended. And when your quarterback has, look, 22 rushing yards, when he has 166 passing yards and four passing touchdowns, it doesn't look dominant on paper. But when you watch the game and you see that, you know, Aller and then Catron Allen and Nicholas Singleton, um, also the receivers, Keandre Lambert-Smith, and then Tyler Warren being the ultimate red zone target, they carved Iowa up. They what they what Penn State did is they took Iowa like a piece of gum and they put them in their mouth and they chewed. They chewed on Iowa until they had no flavor and they spit them out of their mouth. That is an impressive, classic Big Ten way to win a football game. And Aller was a huge part of that. Iowa's defense thrives off of turnovers, they thrive off of mistakes, but they're they're pretty conservative. You know, they, they just wait for you to make a mistake and then they pounce on it. That's how they get pick sixes. That's how they get impactful plays on defense because so many teams make mistakes. But Penn State didn't give them any mistakes, and Iowa's offense was a complete and utter disaster. So far, Drew Aller is being graded out as one of the best quarterbacks in college football. I think as the 18th most efficient quarterback in, according to ESPN at least, he's being underrated. And this is coming from someone who didn't think that Drew Aller was going to live up to preseason hype. Through four games, I don't think he'll be elite. I think that he still has growth to do, and I'm curious to see how he faces off against the Ohio States and Michigans of the world. But through four games, eight touchdowns, no picks, 903 passing yards, a 149 passer rating, he has 74 rushing yards on the ground with a touchdown, and his offensive line's protecting him. He's only been sacked, you know, twice on the year. So Penn State in the trenches is doing better than in previous years. I'm really impressed with this team overall. But Aller for being only a true sophomore, and this being the first season where he started a game, I'm impressed with his maturity, with his poise, with the way he just puts touch on the ball, and his lack of errors, really. I mean, his his gravest mistake right now are things that are easily correctable. Those are his gravest mistakes. He doesn't have a turnover problem. He isn't overly risky. He just has to continue to grow into the position. And with how he looks right now, growing in the position means becoming an elite quarterback. And I'm sure he'll be that next year. Potentially, he could grow into that this year. He certainly has that ceiling at 6'5", 243 pounds, and having an 82.2 QBR, which is top 20 in the nation. And again, I think that's underrating him. I mean, Kyle McCord and J.J. McCarthy are in the top 10. Um, it's hard to judge between these three who's the best quarterback, but I would say that right now, I'd say that Aller and McCarthy, I would say, are better than McCord, and I'd put J.J. a little bit ahead of Aller, in fact, more than a little bit, but we don't know. We're only through four games. By the end of the year, it could be totally different, and, you know, Talia Tagovailoa could be the number one or number two 
quarterback according to ESPN efficiency. So while we're through four games and these statistics are becoming more valuable and more accurate, we still don't know. And Penn State, through four games, I'm just saying that I don't want to overreact. I don't want to class them as Big Ten champions when they've only played two conference games, but they look really good. And the way they just dominate a team like Iowa. I mean, Iowa in 2021, they bullied Penn State. They injured their players and they, you know, just took their lunch money. They really, that 20, I think it, what was it? 23, yeah, 23-20 win. That score didn't even explain how how Iowa you know, bullied and mentally destroyed Penn State on that day. Injuring Clifford, he never recovered for the whole season. I think mentally as well, not just physically. The team, I don't think, recovered psychologically, and you saw that against Illinois. This game, although Iowa was already injured before Penn State even took the field, Penn State bullied Iowa. They chewed clock, like the analogy I mentioned earlier, whether it's gum chewing tobacco, or maybe just like a tough piece of shrimp. What Penn State did is they chewed Iowa up. They didn't even allow 100 offensive yards, and they just spit them out into the garbage. Coaching is terrible for Iowa. Absolutely atrocious. Um, Brian Ferentz, I don't know what it is, but any Brian Ferentz offense just is trash. Cade McNamara right now looks like the one of the worst quarterbacks in the Big Ten. One of the worst. And part of it's his offensive line. Part of it is the injuries um, that the offense has suffered at running back and also at tight end as Luke Lachey is likely out for the whole season. But come on. Like, come on. Cade McNamara was just, he had an awful performance. 5 of 14 for 42 yards. This so far has been the worst season of his career. This is including 2020 Michigan or 2022 Michigan when he had a 1-to-1 TDINT ratio and he got sacked a few times and, you know, the team totally viewed J.J. as the better quarterback and he just didn't have a good showing against Colorado State, who is a, a very weak team and definitely weaker than Penn State this season. That's saying something. And I don't know if it's him as a player, and, you know, the supporting cast totally carried him in 2021 when he was with Michigan. I don't think that's the case. I think that in 2021, he wasn't an average, above-average, maybe good quarterback. The system helped him a lot. But for him to be this bad, that shocked me, how bad Kate McNamara was. Um, the rest of the offense, look, four turnovers, only four first downs, 76 total yards. I didn't expect the offense to perform that badly, but that was more on Penn State's defense and also Penn State's offense than it was on Iowa's offense. I expected Penn State to have a few turnovers and to punt the ball more. And I also expected Penn State's defense to have some weaknesses against Eric All and also against the run game. That never amounted to anything. Iowa averaged 1.2 yards per carry on the ground. That's horrible. And they averaged 3.5 yards per pass attempt. And Iowa's receivers 
averaged 9.3 yards per reception on six receptions. There were only 56 receiving yards, with Eric All having three receptions for 35. And he fumbled. Iowa in total had six fumbles, but they only lost four of them. That's just nuts. Iowa does not look like themselves. They look, to be quite frank, after this game against Penn State, they're either worse than they were last year, or Penn State is just better than they were last year. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think that both of these things definitely can be true, and we'll find out as the season progresses. Iowa has a night game against Michigan State this Saturday. And look, we're talking about Iowa here. Um, Iowa's defense has vulnerabilities in defending the pass. If you don't make mistakes, Michigan State's offense right now is very turnover prone. But if you don't make mistakes against Iowa's defense, you can move on this Iowa defense. I don't think it's as good as the 2022 unit especially, or even the 2021 or 2020 units. The defense does have some issues. Um, I don't think that's necessarily on Phil Parker as much as it is just how Iowa's program is built and their recruiting. And also when you, when an opposing offense is 45 minutes of possession, your defense is going to get tired and they're eventually going to break. That's what happens. I still think the defense is great. More accurately, I would say they are a near elite defense. The problem is the offense is horrible. And... Michigan State can't actually move the ball. Their problem is turning the football over. And I think Washington, when their starters are in, has one of one of the better defenses, actually, in not just the Pac-12, but potentially all of college football. I mean, whether it's Braden Trice and the other defensive end opposite of him, or Jabbar Muhammad and you know their linebacker core and their defensive back room, um, Washington is one of the best teams in college football right now. How Michigan State lost to them... That doesn't imply anything other than Michigan State is not a top 25 team. The Maryland loss was different, but Iowa certainly looks vulnerable. That's a game that I think Michigan State could actually win. Surprisingly, would be on the road at Iowa, just looking at how bad this Hawkeye team is. Um, McNamara looked bad. The running back room is just banged up. Lachey is out, which makes Eric all tight end number one. He's probably now their best player on offense. The offensive line didn't look good, constantly allowing sacks, easily allowing McNamara to, to feel pressure. They couldn't block and open up holes in the run game, and coaching was just a disaster on special teams, on offense, and the defense was bound to break with how bad everything else was performing and with the execution that Penn State was playing with. And speaking of the Nittany Lions, so they were explosive against West Virginia and against Delaware. And then the offense was methodical against Illinois and Iowa. So we have two games for each method of offense, and Penn State is 4-0. and And the offense has scored over, at or over 30 points in all four of those games. Now, obviously, the methodical way is not the most exciting way. And against Illinois, I would partially question if it was even methodical. There were a lot of errors, and it took them plenty of time, all four quarters, to get to those 30 points. Same against Iowa. However, I thought that Penn State's offense played with more proficiency, accuracy, and they overall just played a better game against Iowa's defense than they did Illinois' defense. And scoring 31 points throughout four quarters against Iowa's 
you know, defense, even if it's at home, is still very impressive. That's just with the reputation of Iowa's defense. It's a very impressive performance by Penn State on offense and also on defense. But I want to focus on the offense because with a Manny Diaz defense, we know they have an elite pass rush. They're going to blitz against Iowa's offense, which is horrible. Penn State could just have an average defense, and Iowa's offense could still only score 10 to 13 or 14 points. Seriously, Iowa's offense is that bad. The more impressive part of this game was what Penn State's offense did. Controlling the game, playing very methodical, almost no explosive plays, which can be very frustrating for an offense like Penn State's that is totally boomer bust, that's used to relying on explosive plays, and that has Singleton, Lambert Smith, Aller, on the tight ends, Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, guys who can make big plays. The big plays in this game were not by yards, but were simply by scoring touchdowns against one of the better defenses in the country, at least historically. So it's encouraging to see that Penn State can come with a versatile set of game plans and weapons, and they can attack anywhere. They can kill you by a thousand paper cuts. They can, you know, pull out the 12-gauge shotgun and just blow open the game, and you're like, wow, we're already down by seven, and anything in between. That's really encouraging. And the offensive line, Iowa's defense, as good as they were, at the end of the day, they didn't get a single sack. They had six tackles for loss, and they didn't have any passes defended. Um, Aller had plenty of time in the pocket. Penn State getting nearly four yards per carry on 57 attempts. It's not the greatest running game in the world. And Penn State's run game has actually underperformed, according to my preseason expectations at least. But the passing game has more than overcompensated for that. And the defense has also looked a little better than I anticipated. Um, I have a question for Penn State fans. Nicholas Singleton, in my mind, I think is a lot like Donovan Edwards this year, at least on a surface level. Both are explosive running backs who aren't very good with power. And right now I notice that they're struggling. Um, Singleton is only averaging 3.8 yards per carry. And that includes performances against Delaware and West Virginia, where, you know, he wasn't able to find the hole and make big plays. And I feel like Edwards is, you know, having similar issues at Michigan. Catron Allen, I've been very impressed with. Again, trendsetter. I think that, you know, he sets the pace of the game and he can fall forward for extra yards. And that's a very, it's a very useful type of running back to have, especially when, you're in the Big Ten, and Big Ten defenses, they're not fast, but they're big, they're physical, and it really takes an elite type of athlete with speed, with, you know, above and beyond speed, to be able to find holes and burst for touchdowns against these better Big Ten defenses. So if you can answer my questions about Singleton down in the comments below, I'd really appreciate that, because I've been watching Penn State, I've been paying attention. However, you know, there's always some things that my comment section can teach me. So I'd appreciate that. I think that the tight ends are great. The wide receivers, Lambert Smith is emerging as one of the Big Ten's better wide receivers. And that's great to see, especially down the field. He's a, you know, deep threat. Aller looks good. The defense collecting several sacks, tackles for loss. 
and forcing plenty of turnovers. Once again, Penn State in Big Ten play so far has surrendered zero turnovers. How many turnovers have they forced? Nine. Five against Illinois, four against Iowa. So that's incredible. Defense, I'd say, is near elite to elite. Offense, I would say, is great to near elite. And overall, Penn State is definitely a top 10 team. And I think, boldly enough, I agree with the AP poll in this instance, even though I have Penn State ranked higher than they do, I do think Penn State's a top six team in college football right now. You know, Penn State, they're in a race with Ohio State and Michigan. It's a tight race. All three of those teams, in my mind, are definitely top six teams. But the rest of the conference is far below those squads. So I'm very excited to see the three-way race for Indianapolis. And each of these teams, I think, can win a national title. And I said that in the preseason. So are we ready to talk about Penn State as if they're elite? You tell me down in the comments section below. I'm sort of... As I alluded to in the video, I think that we can talk about them in that way, but I also want to see them against Ohio State and against Michigan before I put them in that, you know, certainly elite conversation. I think they are near elite, and I think they're about to break through. I think they could break through this year or next year. I think it's very likely that either in 23 now or 24 a year from now, they do so. There's just so much talent. And Franklin last year, in you know, 11 of his 11 wins, had good game management. And so far this year, I have not seen Penn State make any mistakes. Literally any. They just have bad matchups, good matchups, or big plays or challenges. There aren't boneheaded mistakes. And that's something that it sounds simple. And it sounds like it'd be easy to not make boneheaded mistakes, but watch college football every year, and especially this year, and that's a pretty rare feat. And it's a very good um, good skill to have, is not making big-time mistakes if you're a college football program, especially if you're a head coach or a college football staff. Thank you so much for watching this video. Um, I want to give a quick shout-out to my Patreon supporters, Spencer Bringhurst, my All-American, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale, my All-Conference patrons. Your support is never expected, but it will always be appreciated and rewarded, whether with shout-outs at the end of the video or depending on your tier, you do get exclusive content benefits. I'm working on a power ranking system to predict games and point spreads, and I am documenting that on Patreon. So if you want to support the channel and also, you know, get maybe some insider picks and, you know, be a part of this experience of me building something that I think I can use for the long term on this channel and for content, check out my Patreon page through the link in the description. Thank you so much for watching, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.